welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Bled. As we continue our month of talking all about 1980s horror comedy. If y'all like movies that strike back, that like strike back in a bad way. If y'all like stories about a kid named Eddie who narrates his whole story, kind of like that, kind of like that guy in the Christmas Story movie. If y'all like horrible dances and sing-offs for some reason, and if you like plots that involve this kid being born on Saturday the 14th, therefore he's some sort of magic demon creature guy who controls people of the world just because he's born on a date, even though like a half a billion people are probably born on that same date, then this is the review for you, brother, because the Retro Blood is giving you all the laughs that you could ever handle with Saturday the 14th strikes back. Number number two. Jay Allison, James Klein. <laughs> Allison, they they made a second one. They did. They did. Seven years later, they made a second one. Uh, <laughs> you just couldn't get enough on that so, first one, I guess. So, um, so you're telling me, as I open my beer over here, because I'm going to need it for this one, <laughs> that the, the first one was so great that we actually needed to come back all right, for a second one. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, of all the movies that we've seen that didn't get a sequel, this one did get a sequel. I know. Exactly. Um, I got to I gotta say, I mean, this is supposed to be horror comedy month, but, I mean, we got to take that word comedy with some uh, <laughs> some loose, <laughs> loose yes. definitions of comedy. Um, honestly, I thought this movie was a little bit better than the first one. Well, yeah, it was a little bit more structured, I guess. <laughs> Um, it was a little bit better. Um, it still wasn't good. It still went a thousand um, I, miles an hour, though. Like every fuck, it seemed like. It's I mean, this movie was getting cut and clipped every minute. Yeah, I mean, it's dang. made the same way as the first one. And you know, the weird thing is, like, I researched that guy that directed it a little bit, and he's made some movies that I really like. I don't know what happened with this. Um, Cash but grab? He, he has made the maybe. Um, but I mean, he made, uh, he's made some good movies. He made the death stalker movies. Um, he made barbarian queen. So he made some really good, like B fantasy movies in the eighties. Yeah. So, I mean, they're good to me. I mean, they're not going to be good for people who, who go and watch like Academy award winning movies. I mean, they're not good to people who, you know, are going to see Oppenheimer, but yeah. I mean, they're good movies. Um, <laughs> well, you know, a little but, different, uh, uh live a different style movie there. A little bit. <laughs> But yeah, it, yeah, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, I'm still 
wondering who the audience is for this movie. I don't I don't know. Because I don't know who this was written for. Because like we said before on like last week's episode, you know, there's a difference between like horror movies that are shot to be serious but they just end up being funny just because yeah. of the way the whole movie is structured and the acting is. And then there's like movies kind of like this where we're trying to do parodies of these types of movies and just not it's like a PG parody that sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of wondering if these movies were made for old people, like people who would who would remember like the 1940s and 30s, like Universal monster movies. Yeah, I get, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who these would have been made. Well, for. you know, I mean, this I, one, I this one did have a little more, you know, references to newer movies. You know, we had the guy with the Jason mask on and. You know the 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 singing vamp queen girl, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, it's still like it's, 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 it's what what I kind of like. What I saw these movies, I guess what you can see these movies has is if you wanted to show a four year old horror for the first time, this would be like a yeah. safe place to show her, show show the kid in the eighties. I, I guess. guess so. That's the only thing I can I think guess of. So. Maybe- Cause like I was trying to like put that into perspective. Cause like I have a unique perspective on that because my grandfather lived so long, um, like he, and he, he was so old when I was born, but he lived a much longer, like you know, into my twenties. But um, he, so like I was trying to think: is this made for people who watch the, uh, you know, the Universal monster movies? Cause like my grandfather was born in 1908. So when Dracula came out in 1931, he was 23 years old, which is crazy for me to think that yeah. my grandfather was 23 when Dracula came out. Um, that's a hot but thing. you know, yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. So, um, but you know, then I think would my grandfather have gone to see this in 1988 and the answer is fuck no, he wouldn't. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I have no idea who this movie is made for. The, I mean, I, I can only think that it's just made for like, I, I for the director, like he liked those old horror movies, and he's like, I want to make a comedy about these horror movies. I guess well, I, don't I mean, know. I have no idea why this thing was. Well, you gotta think. Yes, it could be for the director, but there was, you know, this publishing company, this production company, Concord Pictures, were like, oh yeah, that's yes. a great idea. Let's spoof that's everything. Funny. And, it's another one. Oh, it's another one, brother. The, the other one got such great glowing reviews. Let's just do this other one. All right. But this time we'll add a kid and we'll make him seem like the guy from the Christmas story. Good to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's not made. He's not named Billy, though. So that's a that's a I know it's Eddie. For a while. We got close. Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this one was uh, like I said, I, I think this one was um, a little better structured than the first one. Um, and it did have a little bit more updated references the parody but uh it was still a chore to watch okay because this like these it was weird because we me and you alice we've watched like movies on here like two two and a half hours long sometimes and i Mm -hmm. feel like this one was longer than them okay yeah because it took it took forever to watch this thing yeah i mean it's just it's so bad it's just so bad although like i said i like this one a little bit better than the first one but it's still bad but we'll get into the full review here in a little bit on the Retro Blood. But everybody, like every 
single Retro Blood that we do. We like to talk about the history of what was happening in the world of pro wrestling and the metal music. The reason we do this is because we, we are kind of like the, the monsters that come out of the crack. We can't call it hell. It just has to come out of the crack of the earth. We're, we're kind of like them. We, we're not just uh, uh, two monsters here. We got to give you guys uh, more. You know, more monsters on here. So that's why we talk about the monsters of wrestling and metal music. But uh, I'll start off first. So we had like two conflicting dates on here. But they both happened in the same month. So we're just going to run with them. Uh, the first release that we had was August 5th, 1988. Uh, but in wrestling, you know, when we had the time and stuff, I like to talk about, you know, I like to see live what, you know, TV shows we got going on with the wrestling and stuff. So we yeah. have talked about this year before of 1988 with Crockett before, um, where it's it's a tough year for them because a lot of their shows are kind of down right now. Um, they had a big influence, which is crazy to think too, because they do have a really big influence of influx of talent because they got some mm-hmm. talent from uh, Mid South when they did the whole merger thing, and they actually got some pretty good amount of talent from uh, World Class too. Uh, but mm-hmm. the uh, the show I'm going to talk about, I'm going to do some quick notes on it, or else will be or else will be actually I would rather rather have done this whole show than the whole Saturday 14th, but you know. Because right. this show was actually pretty fun. So this one, if you guys jump on the Peacock, all right, and you go to WCW uh, World, you know, World Championship Wrestling, their Saturday night program. It's going to be from August sixth, nineteen eighty-eight, and uh, there's actually some pretty cool stuff on this show. Um, which is, and it's also pretty interesting to see where people will be placed pretty soon on the show as well, too. Uh, but I'll start it off. Like I say, we we have talked uh, uh, kind of around this area before, because um, this this whole show was leading up to a uh, Lex Luger versus Ric Flair match, and we have mm-hmm. talked about that before on the show too. But this one this one's pretty fun card. So check this out, everybody, and Allison too. So we have the the first match is we have the Varsity Club. All right. So the Varsity Club at this time consist of um IRS all right which was um uh, Mike Rotunda yes uh we had Rick Steiner who was gigantic in this in this period young Rick Steiner mm-hmm. fuck yeah. bro I didn't when I saw him I was like fuck I don't remember Rick Steiner being that jacked but brother he he always made his brother run for his money in this in this fucking match and of course, we had the Taskmaster himself, Kevin Sullivan. And this is the period where the the varsity is kind of new, and their their gimmick is so Rick, so Rick Steiner, he's kind of like a dummy. Like mm-hmm. this is like his dummy face, where he's kind of like I guess he was trying to portray like the dumb jock or something, but he was like the lovable dumb jock who's jacked as shit. All right, so this is a quick squash match. And then we got a, a promo, okay, from Mike Rotunda. He is the United States champ. He's the television champion, excuse me, at this time. And um, Rick, I believe, is the United States champion. Rick was just making fun of him because his belt was so much bigger than Mike Rotunda's belt. Right. So. Right. Kind of a you know th- this is like they're basically it, it's it's actually a, a, an idea they actually still use in wrestling nowadays where you have a babyface. 
character within a heel stable. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like they done that with Sami Zayn recently in the Bloodline story, and they're doing it right now with the Art Truth in the Judgment Day story. So you know, it's as old as time having the baby face in the heel stable. Uh, but yeah, you know, pretty pretty fun little group there they got going on. Um, the next match is we have one of those boring wrestlers. You know, I think I think you like I think you like him, Allison. Brad Armstrong <laughs> is on the program. Oh man, I love the Armstrongs. Those guys well, are all I good. like the Armstrongs, but Brad, I mean, fuck. Well, Brad's the most boring of all of them. He's, I mean, he's Brad. He's a know? good wrestler and everything, but probably yeah. about a generic guy. Just out there. He, he is generic, yes. Put a hold on him, brother. Sit does, there. Does he even have a nickname? Yeah, Boring. <laughs> boring Brad Armstrong. Yeah, that's his nickname. So this match yeah. is a quick straw. You know, he's just a young, young lad during this uh, particular time. But uh, mm-hmm. he would basically... Not basically, was like the same his whole career, just a guy. So next we have, and I thought this is really interesting. We had the sheep herders up next. Of course, uh, we we've uh, we've talked many times about the sheep herders, the bushwhackers here on this program. We actually did a whole tribute to them a couple episodes back. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're back here on the television. Show. Every time I see the sheep herders, it's always fun. Um, oh yeah, and which is interesting about this? This show happened around August, and they would actually leave to the WWF in December. So they'd be in, they'd be in the WWF by December. So we're winding down their um their uh, their their Crockett time over here, and apparently they're building up to a uh, a US title tag team title match with the Fantastics. Uh, which they'd be going back and forth a little bit, but they eventually wouldn't uh, face the Fantastics, Fantastics because they've been lured away by that by that F money, brother. All right. Yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat the F money. So it was always fun to see them. Everybody, if you haven't seen the Sheep Herders, the, I th- to be honest with you, during this program, they're not too much different than they would be like with the Bushwhackers. But mm. they, it's basically if you if you took out the bushwhackers goofiness and made them a little bit more serious, that would be like the sheep herders at this time, so. right? So up next we got uh, Kevin Sullivan. He's back. Quick squash match, and this is kind of weird. Like, there's some sort of gimmick where where he's in a feud with this girl named Patty. He's gonna give Patty this paper, or he <laughs> gives like Jim Ross's paper about Patty or something like that. But before he gets to all that, he's like talk about like the American dream being dead. Not like Dusty Rhodes, but he talk about the the actual American dream, like the the saying that people say. And mm-hmm. he said he knew this because when he went to Asia, he did a couple things. When he went to Asia, okay. first of all, he laid for thirteen days with some Asian broad, and she taught him of things. Course. She he I can't believe he said it. it was so funny. He was like she she taught me things that I never knew about myself. All right, and then he went to like this Buddhist temple. He hung out with a bunch of leopards. Like he was just saying all kinds of wild shit, man. I was like, what is going on here? So uh, yeah, Caleb Sullivan, a very interesting character in the world of pro wrestling. I think you think he would have been on Saturday the Fourteenth, Kevin Sullivan, or is it too much, hell, too, too hardcore? Hell no, Kevin Sullivan wouldn't have been seen anywhere near this thing. Yeah, that's true. 
So up next, uh, this one's actually kind of a funny promo, I thought, but it was it wasn't supposed to be. All right, we should have had Lex Luger in this movie. Maybe he would have made it funny, because Lex oh, Luger yeah. was he, he's he's prepping up his match with Ric Flair, right? But he's saying like, yeah, Ric Flair decided this match. He wanted two limousines. Oh, I don't need a limousines. I'll take a cab. Oh, Ric Flair, like he did this match. He was gonna fly in with uh, a coach and on his own airplane. I'll just go commercial. You know, and I was just thinking, yeah, right. You kidding? You kidding me? You kidding me that Lex Luger, Mister Body Guy, Mister Ego, Lex Luger, wasn't out there demanding first class and fucking butts and stuff? Like, look at this guy. Yeah, there's no way he was. He was coach. basically he was trying to do the common man promo. You know what I mean? And it was just, it just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't. You're not dusty, okay? You don't look like the common guy. Don't act like you do common guy stuff. So. It was a, it was just interesting. Um, then we had this like random squash match with this guy named Curtis, and the only thing I got out of this is this guy's Curtis. He was jacked as shit. Kind of like one. It kind of looked like he kind of actually kind of looked like Jim Hellwood a little bit. Right. He's fucking jacked right. as shit. And Jim Ross's line was like, "Yeah, you could tell that this." <laughs> I'm sorry. You could tell that this Curtis guy goes to the gymnasium a lot. Oh yeah, you don't yes. say. <laughs> I just, the way you say it, it's like gymnasium. Yes, he goes there and he does his acrobats. Yes. His acrobats. <laughs> oh, you'll like this one, Allison, too. Um, <laughs> so, like, it's, you know how we have, like, sponsors nowadays on wrestling? Like, we'll have, like, the, um, the, the KFC match or something like that on, on sure. WWF program or something like that or like the uh, what's the famous one they did at the Rumble like the Lights Out Mountain Dew Lights Out match or whatever so back in the day if if we had the same sponsorship for for World Championship Wrestling if they could if they could have like sponsored a match kind of like how they did nowadays we probably would have had the Spam match of the week oh yes because we have a it was it was like a little clip it was for Spam all right, and it was like the spam move of the week or something, and it was the Road Warriors doing the Doomsday Device. So yes, because spam when I think of, of the week. when I think of spam, brother, I think of the Road Warriors decapitating somebody with their fucking Absolutely. finish. <laughs> you know, what my favorite like sponsor thing was like ever was like what? that time where Enzo was like singing about fucking the the KFC chicken. I don't remember. Did that, you ever see that? Oh my no, god! I'd probably but... turn it off if Enzo was on it. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. Oh my god, it was so great. He was all like getting. Oh my god. Oh, I. If I find that, I might play on the on the, on the uh, Facebook if I can remember. I gotta give us some love anyway. But that shit is hilarious. Okay, with him talking about like fucking his chicken, like he didn't like you know, he, he didn't say in those blatant words or nothing, but he was hinting that he wanted to do more than just eat this chicken okay oh yeah it was great I bet fucking oh god that guy's disgusting <laughs> well they booked in that way come on i thought that shit was funny all right <laughs> so up next Jeez. we have a we have an, uh, a rick flair promo and i didn't realize that rick flair at one time was the undisputed champion i mean did the oh, nwa wow. okay. did the nw i guess the nwa title morphed into different titles or something? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with that. Or but maybe, I mean, I, you know. They probably just called him that, maybe. Maybe. So he's talking about his match with, you know, Luger. Oh, of course, it's Ric Flair promo, so it's great. 
This one was kind of hard to hear a little bit because the audio was a little bit off, but it's still a good one. He's basically telling like, like this this Luger is your last shot at Destiny to beat me, Ric Flair. This is your last opportunity. And he also called him a golden Adonis. So, there you go. Fair enough. So then we have a uh, match with this guy named uh, Chris Chapman. And the only thing I could see out of this was this guy had the most 80s haircut known to man. And he did a really dumb super uh, karate super kick. Like, you got to see this, Allison. This fucking, this guy's hair was like <laughs> business all in the front and then fucking oh, long oh, ass fucking rat yeah. tail to my ass. Okay, bro. It, <laughs> this, shit was, this shit was something to see. Mm-hmm. And all this, sh- all this shit was coming back for a while. Like there are people like cutting their hair like that, bro. I think you know this guy. This you know, is dumb it, as it did before. You know he kind of looks like um, uh, 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 Caster from from uh from AEW a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for part you know okay. part of the uh, the scissor group the team. He kind of looks like him a little bit. It was, oh, okay. it was interesting. I wonder if they're like related to some shit. But um, the next thing we have is we have Jim Cornette. He's back there, brother. And he's and then uh, this this actually was I'm pretty surprised about this. And I don't know if we've actually seen this match, but this match would have been fucking awesome. And I kind of want to like find this match to watch it. So they're talking right now that they're trying to set up a match between the Midnight Express, okay, beautiful Bobby, mm-hmm. beautiful Bobby, and Stan Stan. Um, was it Stan Lane? Lane. Stan Lane. So Stan Lane's not right there right, right now because he's sick. So he's only be, he's gonna be back in four days. But Jim Cornette is setting up a match with the tag team titles on the line. All right, the their their tag team titles, not the U.S. tag team titles. To face the Four Horsemen's Tolly Blanchard and and Arn Anderson. Fuck, that been a mm-hmm. fucking awesome team. That would have been a great match, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, fuck. And it's crazy because we're in August. And basically at that November's Survivor Series, uh, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson would de- debut for the World Wrestling Federation. So they're only going to be in the uh, this, this the promotions uh, Crockett for, uh, for just a couple more months. And then they would debut also, too, with the WWF. Because, you know, WWF at this time, mm-hmm. 1988, man, they pretty much took over the world at this time. Um, but you know, this Crockett, they have some pretty good, uh, talent at this time. I mean, this is all the people I list so far. They got some really good, um, matches and stuff being set up. So, yeah, but I mean, I think that a lot of people that were working there kind of knew that the ship was starting to go down though at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, they're, they're pretty close of, of Jim Crockett selling this all to Turner. I mean, I think it's just like in the next year that's going to happen. So, yeah. Um, and then another thing I want to point out is something that we've been talking, a guy that we've actually been talking a pretty good amount about, especially on our winter episodes that we did for um, for the uh, December, was one Al Perez is here on um, uh, uh, Jim Crockett Promotions TV show. Um, and it was interesting because Al Perez is, uh, you know, he's a former, you know, world-class champion at this time. And sure, he, absolutely. Yeah, and he actually uh, is semi-new because he actually joined uh, Crockett in, in 1988. So he actually left after he lost the belt 
So I believe it was Kevin Braun Eric. Um, so yeah, and, and he was like a big prominent figure. He was pretty much their like their top heel of world class. He was pretty much their top here all throughout 1987. Now he's here on Crockett stuff with Gary Hart. All right, mm-hmm. so they're going from one dying promotion to the to almost another. But uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Al Press he looked good over here, and you could tell that they were trying to uh, position him, him him in a high spot because he right now was in a feud with Dusty Rhodes. So yeah, I mean, pretty good show. I mean, I was like, I you know, even though the business is not really hot right now for this particular Crockett era, they they are very stacked on young rising stars and really young like great athletes. And you know, this this is actually I think this is actually a pretty cool period for Crockett because they just have such like new influx of talent that it was like amazing. I mean, you got like the Road Warriors there, the Midnight's there, the Four Horsemen's yeah. there. Fucking Sting is getting on there. Rick Steiner's on there. You know what I mean? Al Perez is there. I mean, they got a, a stacked roster. I mean, some people would leave, of course, you know, in, in, in a couple months. But boy, at this particular time, and this roster is really looking mighty impressive, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it was still really good. I mean, even into like 89, going into 90, they still had some pretty good stuff for Crockett, but... It was, they, you know, the writing was on the wall. I mean, they were about to go out of business and pretty quickly. Yeah. So, but it's definitely a fun ever though. So, but Allison, what you got for us when it comes to the metal music? I know you're using the release date we have on here that happened in Louisville, Kentucky, August 21st, 1988. What are we listening to? All right. So <clears throat> I wanted to bring this up because we've never talked about this band before and we never will again. Because they only really released two studio records um, during their time together, and the next one was in the 90s. But I wanted to bring up the band Jane's Addiction. Okay. Um, do you have much of a history with Jane's Addiction yourself, James? <sighs> okay, kind <laughs> of. Wasn't okay. I might be wrong about this, but it was either like the singer or guitar guy. Didn't he become like pretty popular with MTV or something? Or do I get that completely um, wrong? No. Dave Navarro, the guitar player, is probably more famous for being on TV shows, reality shows, than he is yeah, for being yeah. in a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. he has like black um, hair, right, and a beard and shit. Yeah, and he was married to Carmen Electra for yeah. a while. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was he was big into like you know like towards like the nineties and shit. He like he was on those shows that you're talking about, like a lot of like yeah reality shows and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, like, that's like that's the only thing I kind of know from the band is that guy. That's about it. I, I was never like a big music fan of theirs or nothing. Okay, so <clears throat> you got to think about it. it. It's a different time, right? It's 1988. So pretty much everything that's coming out is pretty much hair metal, right? I mean, we're still in the midst of the highest of highs of hair metal. Um, You know, grunge hadn't happened yet. Nirvana hadn't happened yet. So these alternative bands really aren't big. They're not topping the charts. Um, Or, well, I guess alternative music, what we call it then. Is that, is that a term that people still use? Or do you know, have you heard that anybody say that lately? Say say it again. Um, For that like alternative music do people still use that term yeah i mean yeah i i hear that every (laughs) once in a while the alternative style music yeah i mean yeah but like i think it's more like widely 
there's like a lot more different style of turn of music, but I know which one you're you're talking about more. It's kind of like you know like the audio slave style or something like that. Yeah, kind of like that. So like basically, you know, you got to consider them like 1988. You know, like hair metal was like the biggest thing, and you know when when grunge got big and Nirvana, you know, came out and got big it kind of turned all that overnight. You know, it's like the hair metal bands basically just went away the next day. I mean, it was literally almost overnight. And, um, you know, they had a term for that at the time. Like if you went to a record store, they had an alternative section, which they could never really decide what went in that. But it was like, you know, I've even seen Pete Floyd in the alternative section back then. So, that you know, anything that was odd and unusual would go into that. So anyway... So Jane's Addiction was like leading this this movement of alternative bands because they were not a hair metal band, but they kind of came from that scene. Like they kind of came from the same scene that Guns N' Roses did. They're like a Guns N' Roses era band. So, um, you know, and they were they were completely different than anything else I had ever heard. Like it was when I heard this album, Nothing Shocky, which I wouldn't hear it for another year or so, but it was it was just completely different like i'd never heard anything like that it was like listening to led zeppelin for the first time um i mean it was heavy it was dangerous it was scary um you know you could tell that these people like really lived hard lives like you know they were like real drug addicts you know like like you know open open about it open about being heroin addicted and things like that um which you didn't see much in popular music at the time uh, that would become much more common, like in the '90s, when all the grunge bands would get big. They would they would be more open about that kind of thing. Um, and they're kind of and you got to think of Jeans Addiction in a different way too, because now Jeans Addiction, when I see them like perform now, they just seem really weak. Yeah, you know what I mean. They just seem like like you know, like almost like boomer music or something. But like it wasn't like that at the time. They were just like wearing bondage gear on stage and like rubber suits and um, you know getting in fights with each other and the audience and you know like they performed shows completely nude and like it was just like it was just like a crazy like metal funk punk it was like had all these influences together and it was just like this loud alternative if you will to yeah. hair metal and like I, when i heard that i was like wow i didn't even know you could do this with music anymore yeah you know it was like like i said it was like hearing like led zeppelin for the first time it was just mind-blowing but anyway they released their album nothing shocking which was their debut studio album they had released a live album their first one was actually a live album and it was released before this but this is their true first album um every song on this album is a classic um they were like one of those bands that like took a long time uh, like this album came out in 1988, but record companies have been trying to sign them since like 1985. All these songs are really old um, by the time the album came out to them. But uh, finally, Warner Brothers released her album in 1988. Um, it's got the Jane Says on it. It's got the hit, which was the big hit for the time. Um, but it's also got Had a Dad and uh, Nothing Shocking. Um, but yeah, this is a classic album. Like this is like it doesn't really get a whole lot better than this especially for the time period um but yeah the fact that this got signed to a major label and got as big as it did i mean they were playing like madison square garden oh, wow. they were so big um i mean not on this tour but by the next album they were like playing like madison square garden they were so big for a little bit yeah um but yeah i just wanted to bring that up because we'll ne probably never talk about this band again um but yeah i did see them 
a few times on their next tour, like in the early nineties, like in 89, 90, 91. Um, and then I saw their final tour. Um, and then I saw them again when they got back together in the summer of 2009 or 10, when, when they were doing their, uh, when Nitro Shields was doing their final quote unquote tour. Yeah. Um, I saw them again and it was just very like, you know, let's clock in and go play the songs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was very like, you know, like they weren't, uh, they weren't wearing like bondage gear on stage or nothing. They were not wearing bondage gear. They were wearing oh. like suits and things like that. I'm like, Holy shit. Okay. Must have changed. It All up right. It's, they got corporate. They, they, yeah, they got core. They went corporate. So, uh, yeah. So it's not nearly as, uh, as, uh, um, boundary pushing as it was yeah. <laughs> in 1988. But, uh, you know, a lot of things that happened since then, obviously, um, but yeah, like the, um, but yeah, this album is fantastic and I would recommend listening. Anybody who likes hard music should listen to this. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, the lyrics are incredible. The music's incredible. Um, yeah. So definitely listen to take a listen to, uh, uh, nothing shocking by Jane's addiction. Yeah. Check it all out. That sounds pretty interesting. Like I didn't, like, like I said, I knew a little bit about the band because of, uh, you know, um, the, the, the guy, what's his name? Oh, Dave Navarro. Yeah, Dave Navarro. I knew a little bit about him because yeah. of him. Um, but you know, that is pretty interesting. Like, I didn't realize like the earlier years they were like a little bit more wild like that on stage. That's pretty interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and, you know, and it's weird because you it's hard to turn new people on to Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Because they always see them through 2023 eyes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, 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 it's hard for to get somebody to understand what it was like seeing this band for the first time and what the world was like. Um, I mean, it was just so refreshing and just so like, you know, it just gave me hope that there could be something else. You know what I mean? Something different, man. Something no, different, bro. No more hairspray. No more fucking no. tight leather glitter. No more, brother. But you know what? I say here in 2024, we bring black the hair bands because I need to change. Because you need to change. You need the hair bands back. I need it back, brother. Okay. Dawkins back. Ah, there's a band like Dawkins that came nowadays, brother. I'd be there in a second. Uh, I bet you would. You know, he's going on tour, Dawkins, but uh, I think he's just mostly doing like festivals and shit. Yeah, I don't know if you could do that even again now. Like, could you? I don't even know if you could do the hair thing again because it was it was a product of its time as well. So I don't know if you yeah. could do that again eh, now. You could do like maybe a version of it, but yeah, it might yeah. be it might be a little tough. But uh, but yeah, mm. I mean that's pretty interesting though. Like it's kind of. Interesting to see a band in their earlier stages and then what they would become in their later stages. But that's pretty cool. Like they uh they helped uh switch around the uh the music scene, so Yeah, if cool. they had never got back together, they would have been legendary. Yeah. Speaking of legendary, or not so much, oh let's talk God. about who booked this shit, brother. Let's get oh on my into God. the Why? <laughs> So we're back with the same director and the same producer. So they are like, brother, we don't give a fuck if these critics and shit told me our product sucked. We're going to bring it back again and show them why we don't suck, even though it sucked. Okay. So we have Howard R. Conan and then, of course, Julio Corman. They are back to produce and write and do all this stuff with comedy. Comedy, so funny. So, a couple of things, you know. Obviously, this one was parodying. I would say a little bit more up to date movies at the time, kind of. 
I mean, obviously we had, a little, like I was saying before, we had a little bit of a Friday the 13th reference on there. Apparently, mm. apparently there was a reference to Amityville Horror. Uh, there was one, and then a couple older ones, like The Mummy. And Oh, speaking yeah. of The Mummy, the guy who played The Mummy, we'll talk about him. I couldn't believe my yeah, eyes. Michael he was Berryman. In, I couldn't believe my fucking eyes he was in this movie. That guy was in the fucking he, hills of eyes being some sort of redneck rapist. And then next thing we know, you're right, on Saturday Now he's doing this shit. <laughs> Shit, man, you got to get paid, man. You got to, got to get a paycheck. That's true. Like it just, it's, I mean, you're talking about the most opposite roles. But you know, obviously, this guy, um, you know, we talked about him before on uh, Deadly Blessings. Um, mm-hmm. He was on that. Yeah. I, he was really good in that movie too. This one, he, he just, just a mummy background character, nothing big at all. So you know, like I said, he probably just did it for the paycheck and familiar face. Uh, and of course, this one was also parodying Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh. Yeah, with the seed pods. Yes. Yeah. And then the way everybody was acting, yeah. Yes. So a couple things uh, about some behind-the-scenes stuff. There's not a whole lot, because I believe there's probably just wasn't a whole lot when it came to this movie. Uh, but a couple things I found interesting was apparently some of the exterior shots of the Baxter's household is the same exact Victorian house used in Michael Jackson's Thriller music video. Yeah. So we have Saturday the 14th Strikes Back and Michael Jackson's Thriller music video have a connection. I mean, how can you have one without the other, Allison? Uh, who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, this is definitely no thriller by any means. Oh, you know, you know, they could have intertwined. Maybe, uh, maybe Eddie's powers uh, released yeah. more cracks in the world, and that's how. The the thriller monsters came to be, and you know they're both musicals. So I mean, that's true. You know the vampire girl, she was rocking it with her other vampire girls, talking about being vampires. I mean that counts. So true, true. So the uh, the Victorian house using the film is at one three four five Carroll Avenue. All right, it's a neighborhood in Los Angeles, so it's actually a real house and everything. I wonder if somebody lives in there. Probably does. Oh, let's see. What's the address again? It's a one three four five Carroll Avenue. C A R R O L L Avenue. In the Angelo Heights neighborhood of Los Angeles. And then while you're looking that up. Pretty much the reviews for this movie mirrored the one from the first movie where it was unfunny comedy. All right. right. <laughs> I mean, um, somebody does live there. The house is not for sale. It does look different now. They painted it. Yeah. I mean, Which I mean, on, of course. They, I mean, you know. Um, but yeah. Um, the estimate for its value is $1.5 million. Well, yeah, man. I mean, that's the thrill house. And more importantly, it's the Saturday the 14th Strikes Back house. I mean, come on, brother. But classics. Although uh, the weird thing is it says it was built in 1987, which we know is not true. Because it was sold in 1986 oh, for $150,000. Well, because it was probably in the shape that it was in when we saw it in this movie at that time. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're just using a house for, like, a prop, it's not going to have, like, a lot of shit on it. So unless mm-hmm. they, they're whatever pr- production company is furnishing it at the time. So, but I would say for the history of this house, I mean that one point five million dollars 
for a house in Los Angeles yeah. that's this famous, that's pretty good. That's not a bad deal. That is not a probably. bad deal, especially since if some of it was used for Michael Jackson's Thriller, which is probably like exactly. one of his most popular songs of all time. So For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, maybe maybe when they stepped it, maybe when they um maybe when they sold it to the person, they're like, Well, you know, Saturday the fourteenth is filmed here. And the person was like, Oh really? What the fuck is that? Like, we don't know either. They're pro- <laughs> they were probably like, Oh, we're gonna have to take out a discount now. I know. <laughs> exactly. But everybody, let's get on to uh, well, let's get this one going of the the sequel. Brother, we're so great we had to make it twice, everybody. Saturday mm, the fourteenth. Yes. All right, it's so striking good. back, and boy did it did when I loaded it up out there on my my YouTube, and it definitely struck struck back to me. That's for sure. But let's get on to the full review. Yeah, let's <clears> do it. Eddie Baxter is a normal teenager. Yes. Living in a typical American house with his kind and loving family. But now things are getting strange. I think perhaps there's a problem in the basement. As Saturday the 14th strikes back. I can't see this. You are the chosen one. At last. All the evil in one place at one time. Chad, there's weird things moving into this house. Strange things. This movie starts with the others chicken out. There's got to be somebody who knows how to deal with this. Push this little lever here. Now, Eddie must send the evil back to wherever it came from. We are back where we came from. Before things get out of hand. She's going to be okay. She's a big girl. Things are really getting weird. Kennedy saved the planet. What do we have to do? Be brave, strong, trustworthy, loyal. And still survive. What are you doing? You can do battle against me. Kid's never going to read another comic book. Looks like this finally is the end of the world. And remember, you saw it first on Channel 6 News. A real shocker with gripping suspense and fresh focus. It's good stuff, crunchy stuff, and sticky stuff. Call your friends. Tell your neighbors. Because soon, Saturday the 14th strikes back. It's so frightening, it's scary. Someday you'll have a house like this one. All right, so we start off the movie, everybody. We meet the character, Eddie. All right, and like this one, like, it didn't even have a cool opening like the first one did. No, like it was just on a fucking beach for some reason. Yeah, just like uh, like um, Greece. It opens the same way the movie Greece opens. Oh, okay. Them on the beach. Yeah, just on a fucking beach, and we meet Eddie. And the thing I noticed right away, he's like narrating his own story, and it reminded me of the Christmas story. You know, where the guy narrates the whole fucking everything that's happening. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he's sixteen. He was he was just a normal kid. Until he had to save the world on Saturday the 14th. I was like, oh boy, here we go. All here right, go. so now he's like narrating his whole, it's like we have like, I just lived in a normal neighborhood with normal houses and normal neighbors. And of course, everybody's doing funny stuff. Like the male guy has a bomb on one of his male things. All right. And the big joke out of this movie is they don't eat normal food. All they eat is chocolate and junk food 
and they think normal food is the nasty food to eat. Huh. <laughs> wow. Oh, my yes. God. So creative. I mean, come on. So, fu- so funny. So that's a big joke. I mean, I guess... I, so right then when I saw that, I was like, okay, this has to be made for kids. Because only kids would like think that's like oh, funny or something. Like young kids. I'm talking about five years old and shit. Okay. Right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's the big thing about the family. Also, too, the dad is apparently a teacher also. So he stays home when his kid's home. And the kid's complaining about that. Um, and they also have a grandpa who mm-hmm. grandpa has great stories, but he's old, so he forgets all his stories. Because that's funny. And then, yes, then they have the aunt. <laughs> She's coming by. And Eddie says, the aunt is the only person that he knows that can eat chicken and, and chew bubblegum at the same time. Yeah, what does that mean? I... That she's a protein airhead? I have no idea. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't know. I know what eating, eat, you know, chew bubble gum and do things at the same time just means you're an airhead. But I don't really know what eat chicken and, and eat gum at the same time means. Does it mean you're like a, 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 a non-vegan airhead? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know what this means. <laughs> so... Eddie now goes downstairs and he's realizing that the downstairs area and the jukebox is all like turning on on its own. So he's noticing some weird stuff is starting to have around the house. And we find that out because the, the crack is opened. So apparently when there's a crack at this house, mm-hmm. we, weird stuff ha- keeps coming out of the crack that we can't call hell because it's PG. Because it's PG. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I, w- I want to ask you this question, Allison, and m- maybe if there's a uh, a hardcore listener out there that knows every little detail about Saturday the 14th. Is this the same house th- from the first one, or, or no? This is completely new. Everything is new. No, I think it's a, it's a completely different house. Okay, so this is just a completely new story. Okay. Uh, yeah, as far as I can tell, it's a completely different story. Yeah. So of, all, the, all, of all the things that they were thinking about in the 80s to make anthology series, we got Saturday the 14th being different. Why don't they just make five more? I mean, come on, guys. Well, why, why not? They might as well. <laughs> so now we're starting to see that some uh, weird stuff is happening around the house. And I, so I so I guess the big thing is the aunt, Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she and her and her husband. Uh, so the husband's like super fat. All right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he like drops some shit on the floor, and we see like this little like puppet monster eat his cookies or something. And they're complaining about how they're the I believe it was is it her uncle Roy or Anderson or something like that. Didn't leave uh, the aunt the house, but they left the mom the house. Okay, so she's a yes, little bit she's right. a little bit upset about that in very com- comedic ways. Okay, so now uh, Eddie sees that his whole family, or yeah, pretty much everybody, is sleepwalking and getting spoons. Now, why are they getting spoons upstairs and not at the kitchen? I don't know. The 80s? I have no idea. 
It, yeah, I I don't know. I don't understand what anything. I don't have no idea why anything happened in this movie. Just like the first one, it's just well, it does. It's it's it obvious, just Allison. There's a crack that happened at the house, and then since this crack happened, all right, all the monsters are coming out of the crack that we can't call hell, and a lot of them have mind control. Mind control, right? Yes. Right. So with the mind control that the monster that we actually didn't really figure out what monster was doing the mind control. I assume mm. that it was the Egyptian looking one. Um, the the dad is now making the Statue of Liberty out of pudding. Oh my god. Woo. Shut the movie well, off. I just that, I mean that is just I mean that's comedic gold right there. Jeez. Yeah, I just I don't know. Like I just I can't I just cannot imagine anyone reading the script and saying, yeah, let's make this. All I got to say, Allison, while you were watching this, were you not entertained? I was not. I was <laughs> were not Were you not sports entertained? <laughs> I was not sports entertained. That was not, and this was not entertaining in any way. It did have some slightly funny jokes in it, and some of it is so um, absurd that it's kind of funny, but yes. like, I'm just like, oh my God. So now it's the next morning, and some of the family is like tired, all right. They don't really know why, and the grandpa keeps watching his damn movie. Well, they're they're up all night (laughs) making chocolate pudding statues. Uh Yeah, and watching his movie. So now the uh, the grandpa he is uh, or they call him Gramps. Now he is up there. He's wanting a, a bacon and toast sandwich. Everybody's looking at him weird, and the and the mom's like, "What would you like to have, kid?" He's like, "Well, I'll have some pudding," and they're like, "Well, we don't have any. We ran out. All right, but we can get you some Oreo cookies because that's our nutrition that we eat in this movie. It's not bacon and toast like the grandpa ones." All right. Did, the, I, did the grandpa remind you in any way of uh, the grandpa from uh, Lost Boys? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, because I was thinking it was kind of like that a the, little bit. The swerve with him was interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. So, yeah, so now, like, you know, Eddie could feel like there's some weird stuff. And I couldn't really tell. So, like, now, was the, with them eating the junk food, was that because of the monsters or they just normally were doing that? Oh, you expect me to explain this? Yeah, um, come on, Allison. Aren't you a detailed <laughs> reporter when it comes to Saturday the 14th I, Strikes Back? Let me know. I thought that it was just the way that they, the family was. Okay, so it was booked. I got you. I, I guess. It was just booked that way, gotcha. I guess. So, oh, by the way, too, like the the guy who played dad, the dad, which I believe his name was Frank, all right? Mm-hmm. So this guy, Avery, I can't even say his fucking last name, Schroederberg, Apparently, he's known for being a very popular advertisement person for Doritos chips. Yeah, that's how I know him. I was like, oh, that must have been funny. So, there you go, brother. Well, they're better than this. <laughs> yes. So, now, um, Frank is down there at the at the basement, right? And he realizes, and this is weird. This one didn't go anywhere either. So, Frank is down there at the basement. He sees the crack. He's trying to cover it up, but he can't, and he's all like, Upset that this crack got opened. So, did he know about it? Did he know what was coming out of this crack? I don't know. 
All right. And then, of course, now Frank's coming to the kitchen. Wife is there. She goes through a trap door so we can see there's more sh- weird shit happening around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, we get this spoof off a restless of our lives or something or restless hospital okay yeah it was uh wasn't it uh uh yeah it was like uh restless hospital of our lives or something like that it was like this uh uh spoof of all these uh yeah those little soap operas what do they call them daytime shows or something (laughs) yeah like like soap operas but they're it's like a uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was like uh, they took like the names of a bunch of them and put them together. That was kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of a funny little joke, I guess. So the grandpa tells the sister to read a book. And I was like, oh, wow. She sounds like somebody I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Read the book. <laughs> for this one, is there a Saturday the 14th Strikes Back book? Oh, God. Oh, probably. Bestseller, brother. Okay. Just sign. Give me a signed copy. I need it now. All right, so now she's uh, she sees some smoke around the house because the house is starting to smoke a little bit. All right, and then uh, Eddie, she so basically she, the sister goes to her room and the room is looking all like Egypt and shit on there now, and she's blaming Eddie for that. That was kind of funny too. Yes. That was a little bit funny too when she was like, um, she's like. She's like Eddie, stay out of my room. He's like, I haven't been in your room. And like, who, then she's like, Well, who did this? And she opens up the door, and it looks like an Egyptian tomb. Yeah, I mean that was funny because it was just so absurd. Like you would like make it look like an Egyptian tomb. Yeah, like, that was pretty. That was pretty. Yeah, funny. She thought she did the he did the whole thing. Right. So Eddie is also meeting. He goes to his room, and I thought this movie was going to take a little different turn than it did. So he goes to his room. And he sees like this '80s blonde girl. Like she actually doesn't look too bad. It's like this vampire girl, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I'm I'm here for you." And at first, he's like, "Are you one of my friends' moms or something?" She's like, "No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm trying to he- be here for your friend." I was like, "Did I turn on the wrong Saturday the Fourteenth movie, brother?" Huh? <laughs> There's gonna be some uh, some uh, older lady action going on here, but no, nope. she's now just talking about vampires and how it's hard to be a vampire and then and next thing there she goes and like sings about it and we get a musical number and i was like what is going on here she's like singing about like all these like vampire tropes and stuff or she's on like she only has one type of diet and she's like you know she can't go out in the sun even though she was out in the sun all right, and then she's like, she right. didn't, she didn't get choose to be a vampire. She got turned into one, and she's doing all this by singing. And the next thing you know, there's like these other vampire girls that show up. All right, and then they're singing yeah. about being vampires, and then one of them gives Billy, oh Billy, I think everybody's name is fucking Billy. She gives Eddie a fucking coin. All yes. right, the coin will come up later in the story. All right, so now the we can see that. Um, the house is kind of coming alive a little bit because the mom gets her purse eaten by the chair. All right. Of course, the sister's room's all like a tombstone now. And they're all eating dinner, and Eddie thinks something strange is happening to the house. All right. And it's not. And a big thing, too, is the the aunt and her husband were only there to visit, and they mm-hmm. left. But they didn't tell, I guess the aunt didn't tell the mom, which is the the aunt and the mom, they're, like, they're related, that they don't have yeah. anywhere to live. 
So then they come back into the house saying some sort of tornado blizzard destroyed their hotel room so they had to come back at the house. And then their story is all over the place. <laughs> all right. So now the vampire... Use the word story loosely. Yes. So the vamp girl now is going out for a bite. Ha ha ha. You get it? Ha ha ha. Yes. Comedy. We get more That's I like my notes. We get more spoon crap. <laughs> So now, wow. like, Eddie confronts them again, and they're making something different now. They're not making the uh, the Statue of Liberty. All right. They're making... Uh, I don't even know if I wrote it down what the fuck they're making. They're making something different. All right. So now he goes down... So now Eddie, uh, Eddie goes down to the basement now, and he sees, like, this creepy Elig- uh, Egypt guy. And this part was actually kind of funny. So he sees, I guess the Egypt guy was the evil one. All right. Played by uh, Leo Gordon, which mm-hmm. this guy's uh, apparently he's done. He's done some shit. War movies and stuff. And next thing you know, he's here. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing you know, he needed a paycheck and then he came and did this. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's done some. Yeah. I mean, he's a pretty famous actor, you know, and um, famous he i mean he's he's been in a lot of b movies like um like a lot of b like um westerns and things like that yeah um so a couple so basically with this egypt guy he is saying look into the water what do you see it's evil and the guy's like well i see a bunch of fish and he's all like oh do you really see a bunch of fish there it's like yeah i see a bunch of fish stuck in ice all right so i thought that part was semi-funny and, yeah, I did laugh at that. I did laugh yes. at that. And they see Eddie's like, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna call these police and stuff. They'll stop you." And he's like, "The police can't stop us, All right?" And basically, this this Egypt guy, he's basically saying that Eddie, he is the one who is making this happen because, um, apparently Eddie, since he was born on Saturday the 14th, he is has the power to rule and take over the world. And he's the one that's can, um, can, uh, uh, he just has the power to make this all happen. All right. Yes. And now the crack is opening and there's more smoke coming out uh, around the house. And of course, Eddie's asking, well, why is everybody weird here? Except for me. Huh? 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 All right, so we get some uh, we get some more talking over, like the right, the Christmas story. Eddie's visiting the vamp girl. All right, said like, "Hey, you're my friend, and stuff. Can you help me out with all this stuff?" And she's like, "Nah, not really." All right, so she she says, "I can't really help you and stuff." But there is the most evil stuff in the galaxy and the evil and the whole world will end next Saturday the 14th. That's when all this is happening. And Eddie's like, well, that's my birthday. Oh, of course. God. Okay, gotcha. So now Eddie's dad asks Eddie if, if he... if he, uh, Why are you walking so weird? Did you put on some clean socks? Haha, <laughs> it should be dirty ones. Okay. Fuck. I was like, I can't believe I wrote down half these jokes. They were so stupid. <laughs> All right. And then like Eddie's like, hey, did you notice anything weird and stuff about the, the crack? And there's like, there's like a crack in this house and there's smoke all around here. There's some vampire girl up in my room and stuff. And they all just look at him like he's a weirdo. Like they don't believe anything he's saying. 
So now Eddie tries to go down there and plaster the crack. All right, but it doesn't work because the seal is so sealed that it comes out of the uh, the tube already like fucking solid. All right. Yes. So the Egypt guy laughs at him. So Frank's up there trying to play piano and stuff. All right. And we got us another stupid joke on the radio. So there's like this whole joke throughout the whole movie. When they're listening to the radio of this girl being stuck in a box. So I thought this was actually pretty funny. Okay. Um, but it's how should I explain this? So I think it's it's very funny because for its time. Um, so in the eighties, there were at least one or two different stories about little kids who were getting stuck inside something. Okay. like a pipe or something like that. And then there was this big drama and people would tune in every day to see if they got the little kid out of the thing they were stuck in. And I did think that was kind of funny because I remember those stories and like part of what, part of it, he's saying um, like, cause she's stuck in this box, <laughs> like a cardboard box or something. And then like, um, so and he's like, she's finally out of the box. And like, oh, no, she's falling back into the box again. And like, it, I don't know, it just goes on and on and on and on about them trying to get this little kid out of the cardboard box, which I, and I thought that was actually pretty hmm. funny. I, I did laugh at that. There you go, brother. Hey, everything gets over if it's in a box. True. Uh-huh. So now the vamp girl is telling Eddie what, she, what uh, he's going to be up against, all the dark forces of the world. And, of course, the mom comes and interrupts, saying they're going out for a little bit. Eddie, I guess, claws a plumber to get his smoke issue at the right. house looked at. Okay. So the guy's like, the plumber guy's like, I, I could put up, this is the easy one. I could just plaster it and stuff. Go plaster the stuff upstairs. So Eddie goes plaster this part upstairs, comes yeah. back, and apparently the smoke has now turned the plumber guy into a chicken. Okay. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> and then next thing you know, they all come back. The family does. All right. And they eat the chicken now. Wow. So I guess they can actually eat chicken, not just fudge. Oh, that's right. <laughs> if it had previously been a person. Well, kind yeah. of. The mom did say, like, yeah, I found this chicken in the house, and I, I stuffed it full of fudge and gumdrops. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, diabetes! Oh my god, so funny. All yeah. right, so the now the so sister, bad. yes, the sister's making fun of Eddie, and it's just like the Christmas story where the 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 the, the kid is, you know, the the sister or whatever, just getting on to him. He's talking about it. All right, and then they're all eating the dinner and stuff, and they're all making fun of the aunt's husband and his gas. So nighttime, uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie's in the basement. All right, he goes down there, sees a crack, and then some demon comes in. All right, and then he goes back upstairs, and now the grandpa was in his room. All right, and he's like, how did you get in my room? It was locked. And grandpa just says, like, you know, I just got in here. And he's trying to tell the grandpa about some evil things over in the house. And Grandpa just kept bringing up, hey, just trust your lucky lucky coin. Let me tell you the story about a lucky coin. And then he, yes. yes. 
and then he uh, makes some more jokes and he leaves. So aunts, the aunts, so the, the now the aunt has an idea where she is going to go to this party, and she's going to scare her sister and the husband out of the house so they can inherit the house and sell her for some money. That's their plan. All right. So we do have this scene of this hockey guy, Joey. He scares the mom in a hockey mask like Friday the 13th. Ha ha ha. Even though it wasn't even scary at all. Nope. All right. And then he wants to meet Eddie outside, but he's not there, the mom says. So the aunt and the and her husband are going to go to the party and they're going to dress up like monsters, like I was saying. All right. So Joey now is okay. So like, there's like this whole like. So Joey goes the the hockey guy is Joey. Okay. Yeah. He is gonna. He looks up a little bit and he sees a big eye hanging out the house. Okay, like through the window, and he's like, "Hey, do you have a big sister?" He's like, "Yeah." She's like, "Okay, I'm going home. I'll see you later." Because you know they're they're trying to do the gimmick of the. What's that fucking movie? Uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. They're trying to make oh, that yeah. joke. All right. So they hear Alice, which is the aunt, by the way. That's her name. They hear her scream, and apparently now she has a purse on her head. That's too bad. Okay. And there is this whole scene, too, of like the, the mom and the dad of Eddie's and stuff trying to get... Um, uh, trying to get the, the sister out of out of her room, but she can't. And they was make us to believe that she's like too big for the room or something. Even though they totally dropped it in a couple of scenes later. So they're, they're basically forcing Alice to take off the fucking uh, purse on her head. And they finally do, and now she has a beard. I guess she's turning into the bearded lady now. I suppose, yes. Oh, God. So, Eddie now tells us that he's uh, covered all the holes of the house of the smoke. So, he said everything's kind of been fine lately and we're going to go back to eating chocolate. All right. And, of course, the door pops out of nowhere. The the kitchen door does. Yeah. And and after all this happens, the, the family is kind of like in a trance. And then Eddie goes down to the basement and he's going to be talking to the monster or the monsters down there. And this is when they, they tell him, hey, knock it off anything. And this is when he, uh, all the, the monsters and stuff were like saying like, by, you know, you're one of us, by the way. You know, you're, you're, you're like us because you were born on that Saturday the 14th stuff. So you're like us and you're the chosen one. All right. And this is when we see the mummy guy, you know, the guy from... Um, uh, what's it called? The Hills Have Eyes. He's there. I was like, I couldn't believe my, I couldn't believe I saw him on there. And so now, the base thing, like I was saying with this, like they, Eddie was supposed to be like this, their secret guy. You know, they've been looking for somebody for 10,000 years to have his power so that he could take over the world and stuff. And Eddie, this whole time, he basically just wants to be a normal kid. He doesn't want all this power. All right. And it looked like there was, like, the guy who looks like he played, um, 
oh god what was it uh uh king tut or something it looked like a wrestler guy but i i couldn't find anything about him on there i think no he played genghis kong the guy who played genghis kong looked like a wrestler but i couldn't find any anything about that on there on my on my research so the biggest thing is Eddie needs to figure out how to stop these guys and but they they have a plan the monsters do where they're going to have Eddie flirt with the princess oh god yeah so the princess goes there and they start flirting a little bit with Eddie because she's very attracted to Eddie now and I believe this is when they go like putt putt golfing yes all right <laughs> and like this part was a little bit funny too and like eddie needed to def- maybe he, i guess when he, i guess his like idea was he's gonna go like talk to his teacher yeah all right and <laughs> the teacher works at the pup pup golf center on her like off season and he wanted to talk to her but was like no no you can't talk to me you, ha- you have to, if you're here you have to play well, yeah, so it was yeah. kind of funny because he was like, I got to go talk to my teacher because she knows everything or whatever he says. He said, but where do you find a teacher in the summertime? Yeah. And then he, he finds out she's at the pub at golf place. And then he's, he's like, you work at the pub at golf place? He's like, yeah, it pays more than teaching. Yeah. Which is kind of funny, kind of a funny little joke. And then, um, but then she's like, you must play putt-putt or whatever. And then he finds out she's taken over by the evil spirits. Yeah, the spirits, yeah. So they all chart chasing him stuff and two. Of course, with the, pretty, the little pup up clubs. Yeah, the pup, yes. <laughs> so I don't know. This part was kind of funny. It was just stupid. It was funny. Yeah. So now Eddie, after being worn out all day by having all these demons chase him at the pup up place, he lays down and he's talking to the vamp girl again. So you know he's talking about like how good he can you know, he can have it if he does his powers and stuff. Like he was like yeah. thinking like you know if I use my powers, maybe I can make everything a little better or something. Okay, so we get yeah. uh, the the daughter now. All right, we're going to have another bathroom scene. All right, and this one wasn't as uh, raunchy or, or as intense, I guess, as the first one was. That one was even yeah, intense she's or not. not like, yeah, she's yeah. not like running around in her underwear in this one. Yeah, no. This one, she basically just takes a shower, right? Yeah, and she gets like sucked down the drain, and she's in this Into drain the for like the, yeah the kiddie pool, and she's like in this fucking drain for like half the movie. <laughs> um, one thing, um, you haven't mentioned though is the whole subplot. Unless I forgot you that you said this, but have you mentioned anything about the subplot about the? I feel even stupid saying there's a subplot in this movie, but the uh, the subplot about the uh, grandfather and his friend who he's, who everybody well, says that's, is dead. Well, that's coming back. Yes, yes, that, that okay, that's right. coming up. So basically, the grandpa. So there's this guy named Anderson where everybody thought was dead because they yeah. they the, the the I forgot to mention the part with the table spin. They were talking to the dead Anderson or something. So then the gr- grandpa was saying when they're about to start this party, which is this scene coming up, where he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to go hang out with my friend Anderson. Okay, he's coming all over. All right, so we're like, okay, right. well, I mean, we I just assumed that Anderson was talking to a ghost guy at this time, but. Yeah. And then the part not. about the bell, that's coming up, right? 
Yeah, like he has like this Where bell like, that friend, doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. He's like, my friend gave me this bell, and he's like, and he's like, I'm just holding on to it until he comes back. And then they're like, well, your friend's dead. He's like, well, that would explain why he didn't need the bell. Yeah. <laughs> so after this, too, like the parents, everything are starting to act a little weird because they're being taken over. And yeah. the vampire girl is basically telling Eddie, like, hey, your parents are probably going to try to kill you. All right. <laughs> and now the princess is also telling um, Eddie, too, that she hasn't had a good time in 3,800 years. All right. Yeah, it's been a long time. Been a long time. So she needs Eddie to help him out. So this is when, this is when, you know, he ran into the grandpa and stuff. He said he's going to hang out with his friend, Anderson. And then we're at the party. All right. So we're at this this party. And it's not at the house. It's like some sort of club or something. And this is when basically Eddie is using his powers during this. Like the princess is basically kind of um, having him use his powers to show him what, what he could do. So he turns his mm. sister into a blow-up doll, all right? <laughs> and he turns yeah. the brains that are being cooked into cheeseburgers. Yes. That's his big thing. And I couldn't believe this line where the prince is like, Eddie, you're going to be the new prince of darkness. I was like, mm. don't disgrace a great Don't John disgrace Carpenter. a good movie. Yes. Yeah. What are you doing here? <laughs> all right. And then Eddie asks, you know, the the to the Egypt girl and stuff, and 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 the vamp girl, like, what he can't do, all right. And they're basically saying, well, you could do pretty much anything you want with these powers. And then, of course, the uh, the vamp girl and the Egypt guy, they are kind of like in cahoots, where they kind of yeah. want to use Eddie and his powers, all right, because they know Eddie has this 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 really great power, but he doesn't really know how to use it. But the Egypt guy, he kind of knows how to use it. So that's his plan, is to basically use Eddie and his powers to wake up their clan and take over the yeah. world. Um, And there's some jokes about Eddie not seeing himself anymore. And he's growing horns as well, too. Eddie is. So now the aunt, she's a full wolf-bearded girl now. All <laughs> yeah. right. And now the her husband, the fat guy, he's like fucking around the phone, and the phone chokes him out. <laughs> and funny. the big thing was the mom asked Eddie what he w- wanted for breakfast, and Eddie said he wanted cheeseburgers. And the family is acting weird about that, but they can't help it because they have to do what he says because he has magical powers. Right. And then, of course, Eddie's now saying his life is now falling apart. He sees his neighbors, and there's, like, smoke outside. And then neighbors got to leave. Okay. So, so now he runs into his gramps, and the gramps says, like, hey, I'm about to go upstairs. I'm going to bring some cake for my friend Leonard. He's upstairs and stuff. And Eddie's like, you're not realizing what's going on around here? He's like, no, I've just been hanging out with my friend Leonard. All right. So now they, I guess, 
he goes up there, Eddie does, and now he he, he meets Leonard, and this is when Grant, uh, and then this is also too, there's a scene where the mom and the dad are like, hey, is your grandpa okay? He's like, well, it's not, it's not my, no, it's his dad. Hey, is your dad okay? He's like, well, that's not my dad. My dad's in the hospital. It's just like, well, that's not my dad. My dad's in the hospital too. So they oh, don't God. know who Gramps is. So yeah. Gramps. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, she's, she said, no, I thought it was your dad. Yeah. Hmm. So now we get the whole more plots to the story. So basically what's going on Fantastic. here is the, this grandpa guy and Leonard, they're two magician guys or something. And they've been studying they're wizards. Wizards, yes. They've been studying yeah. Eddie since the birth because they thought something like this might happen. So he inserted himself to be the grandpa, all right, to to teach and guide Eddie. And of course, I was just thinking, well, fuck, bro, you failed. <laughs> this shit's happening anyway. And now you want to say something? All right. So basically, they have until until midnight. To talk about last minute to get this stuff going, and what Eddie needs to use, he has like this. He has the bell that we talked about earlier. Yeah. If he uses this bell, then he can bell them all away. Yes. All right. So now Eddie is trying to go uh, use the bell. I guess he has to use it out of a certain room. Probably, I think he has to use the bell near like the crack or something. And okay. all the monsters are like dancing in the hallway, and they keep distracting Eddie. Like the princess does and everything. And of course the grant makes jokes like, oh, I can't believe he's getting distracted at a time like this. <laughs> so he he Eddie finally gets away from everybody and he gets away from the girl. And he could see that the Gramps is being taken away into the basement for, with from the vampire and the Egypt guy that are taking him down there. Alright? So Eddie goes down there to try to save him, but they they use some powers on Eddie to lock him in a coffin. Right. Okay. And then they leave because it's about to be midnight so they can be at their true form and shit like that. So, but Grandpa wakes up and he gets him out of the coffin. Okay. And Eddie's like, well, they're too powerful and stuff. I, I don't know if I can, I could beat them. All right, and the grandpa's like, "Yes, you can." All right, you just got to believe. All right, and then, yeah, sure. And then the thing was, Eddie, you know, he didn't think he had the powers to use this. All right, so then we get like, we get like a bunch of like stock footage of like things. I saw things. that too, the trains blowing up and and stuff like that, and like fire and stuff. I was and like, fire, "What is yeah. going on here?" Like, let's just <laughs> let's get that 1980 stock footage going down. All right. <laughs> And basically, we're showing that the world is about to be taken over by demons from hell, even though we can't say that because it's PG, all right? Right. Splitting the whole world. The crack's getting bigger and everything. We see Eddie is out there and stuff, and he's going to try to fight back, but he sees, like, this the true power guy, the red-faced guy in the sky. He kind of looked like Lord Zelda. What is it? Lord Zelda? No, no. From Power Rangers. What was his name? Uh, Zordon. Zordon, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's like a red face Zordon on there. All right, and he's saying the power is his. Eddie tries to stop him, uh, 
with the bell and everything. So Eddie's, you know, it's he's, he's not working stuff. The guy's still sending more monsters out of him. Eddie's asking for help. And we could see that the, the princess girl, she gives Eddie back the bell. All right. And she just wants to make everything good now. We have more stock footage of things exploding. All right. And then uh, the, the, the Gramps tells Eddie, like, you got the power to do this. And he has the the, coin, the lucky coin on him, too. And Eddie is like, the, the, the guy, the, the, the red-faced demon guy, thought he put Eddie, like, down in the ground, but he's not, but he went back up to space. All right. <laughs> that sounds so ridiculous when we're describing it, but yeah. It's like, this is all actually happened, bro. Like, I was like, okay. Yeah, we're doing the best here? we can. We're doing the best we can with this piece of shit. So he has like this coin with the face on it now. And he doesn't want any more tricks to happen. All right. And he's, he said, the power has always been inside me. It's always had been. All right. It's, I don't know. I didn't know what to do with it. Now I do know what to do with it. All right. And he uses the coin and then we have a flashback. Or we have a flash to whatever happened. Everything is back to normal. All right. And he can't find Grandpa. Well, go ahead. So you find out that there's a smiley face on the other side of the coin after he finds it again. Yeah, that's right. So he realizes he still has a coin. And he shows the he shows the evil Zardon guy uh, the smiley face on the coin. And then it drives him away. Yeah. Yeah. And... Now he can't find Grandpa or Leonard anywhere, and but his sister is there, okay. And then we wrap up the story back on the beach. All right, he didn't know if this happened or not. Princess is there, and they walk off together. And if I could never watch this movie again in my life, I'll be happy. I will never watch this again. Like I was so checked out of this movie. Like I'm surprised I even wrote notes about it. Like. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know what we were gonna do. I mean, is it just gonna be like we should just come on on the show and said did our did the history segment and said yeah this one sucked too. Yeah. See you next week. I can't do that, brother. We gotta have our our expert analysis opinion. All right. Yeah, we gotta put in the whole. We gotta put in the work for the whole match, right? So yes. So this, you know, like another review was a little tough, but basically that's what happened. So we had our boy Eddie. He had this magical bell and coin. He had this magical power in him to do evil, even though it was not evil. He took the red-faced Zordon out with the smiley coin, and he made everything normal. And I guess he's going to now date a 38,000-year-old Egyptian princess. There you go. What more can you want in a life, brother? Okay. I wouldn't want any more. There you go. That wrapped it up. I definitely don't want any more of this. Yes, I mean, if we could never do these movies again in our life, I'd be so happy. So we won't. We I might, will never watch this again. We, I promise you. <laughs> I don't know if we're even going to do horror comedy month again. All right, but nope, we will never ever do this again. But I think we'll we'll probably be redeemed next week, everybody, because here, yeah, I promise next week will be better. Yes, because here next week on the Retro Blood, we end horror comedy month. With probably, I would say, probably one of the most famous horror comedy month 
movie of all time. And that is going to be one Beetlejuice. Yes. I Tim Burton. First time Tim Burton's ever been on the podcast. Yeah, I know. Pretty crazy, man. And I haven't seen this movie in a while, but it is a very fascinating movie and actually a really, you know, highly acclaimed movie, too. First time. And uh, it's pretty funny, too. That I think they're actually coming out with the Beetlejuice, too. Coming out this year, too. So that should be pretty fun. Uh, but I remember, yeah. like, watching this Beetlejuice movie a lot when I was a kid. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, so it is going to be pretty interesting rewatching it again with my newly found critical eyes. But uh, it should be pretty fun. So, I'm about to say. So, I wonder if it lives up to how much I loved it as a kid. I guess we'll see. Next week on the Retro Blood. We will find out. But yeah, I mean, boy, we're, aren't we starting off 2024 hot, huh? <laughs> it can only go up from here. Oh, I can go up here every man. But, you know, at least we got these ones done. But that was always, you know, I was fascinated a little bit with the Saturday the 14th movies. Because I, I saw them, you know, I saw when I was, like, going through some trailers. I saw it on there. I was like, you know what? That could be, maybe that, maybe that could be interesting. And after doing these two reviews, boy, were they not. They were just, just not for they us. They were not. Not for no, me, brother. not for us. So, but everybody, if you all liked them, you know. Hope you liked our show more than you actually liked the, the movies. But, you know, hey, we try to do our best over here. So, but Allison, what are going to be playing getting on out of here on the Retro Blood? Man, let's uh, let's go out with some Jane's Addiction. Let's play Ocean Size Ooh. from Nothing Shocking. Ocean Size, brother, because, you know, our boy Eddie, technically, he was by the ocean the whole time. Telling- he was telling us his story of saving the world I mean if you think about it he <sighs> actually completed the American dream he saved the world from evil he has magical yeah. powers and now he has some Egypt foreign princess I mean what more can you want yeah so he's right. basically Hulk Hogan yeah basically yes so young young Eddie young Hulk Hogan that we have on here. yeah <laughs> alright everybody we will see you here next week for the Beetlejuice episode. Can't wait yes. to talk about that one. And of course, on that yeah. episode too, we'll let you guys know of what our topic is going to be like in February. But everybody, join the Facebook page, Retro Blood Facebook, Instagram, group page, YouTube channel. Join all of us. Tell us if you like the podcast. Tell us if we sucked. Tell us if Saturday the 14th is your favorite movie. We're just a bunch of marks. Let us know. All right, because we could take it, brother. All right. We can take it over here at the Retro Blood and we can dish it out as well, too. Jay Austin, James Kahn, we'll see y'all later. Oh, see you guys.